Well, it was the 60s. This guy didn't actually come from the 60s. This is a Google photo. This could be one of your grandsons. Sorry if that's the case, but that's a more recent photo than the 60s. His name was Bill. It was the 60s. He had wild hair, wore a T-shirt with holes in it, jeans, and no shoes. That was literally his wardrobe for all four of his college years. He was kind of ecstatic, and he was very, very intelligent. He became a Christian while attending college through the witness of the Jesus people. How many of you remember that, the Jesus movement? Okay, this is the one I've been waiting to ask. How many of you were that movement? Yes, I've got to see pictures later. (laughs) Hippies for Jesus. (laughs) Well, you may have known Bill, and right across the street from his college was a church the members of which were, were very well-dressed and very conservative. They wanted to develop a ministry to the students, but they were unsure about how to go about it. And so one day, Bill, newly converted to Christ, he decided that was the closest church he was going. And so he went and he walked in wearing his jeans, T-shirt, wild hair, no shoes. And he starts down the center aisle, just picture it looking for a place to sit, but it was packed, completely packed, couldn't find a seat. All the members, again, very conservative, three-piece suits, decked out in church attire. They began to look a little bit uncomfortable, but nobody said anything. And the closer and closer Bill got to the pulpit, still no seats, he finally realizes there are no seats in the whole house. And, And so he just sits down, just like right there in the carpet, just sits down. Indian style, in the floor. By now, the members are really uptight. <laughs> There's tension feeling, filling the air. And then from the back of the church, one of the older deacons slowly begins to make his way toward Bill, slowly because he's in his 80s. He has silver-gray hair. He's wearing a three-piece suit. He's got a pocket watch. I mean, y- y- you remember He's a godly man, very elegant and, 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 and conservative, very dignified, very courtly in his countenance. And he's walking with a cane. And as he heads towards Bill, all the members are saying to themselves, I mean, you can't blame him. I mean, you can't, you can't blame him for what he's about to do. I mean, how, how could you ever expect a guy in his 80s to understand where this young kid's coming from? Uh, you know, his background and all that. I mean, you, you can't blame the guy takes a long time for him to make his way down the aisle. All eyes are focused on this deacon. The church is utterly silent. The minister can't even begin preaching. He's just, he's breathless. He's, what is fixing to happen? And everybody's afraid to know. When finally the deacon reaches the front where the young man Bill is seated on the carpet, The congregation watches as he, with great difficulty, lowers himself and sits down to Bill, next to Bill, so he won't be alone. When the minister gets it together again, he stands and he says, What I'm about to preach, you'll never remember. But what you've just seen, you'll never forget. Such should be the heart and reputation of every deacon 
in every church. I want to talk to you this morning about the grace-enabled, grace-giving, gospel-focused ministry of deacons. You're thinking, I mean, could you not have come up with a longer title? Probably not. I I tried. The grace-enabled, grace-giving, gospel-focused ministry of deacons. Because, guys, that's what I want for you. That's what our deacons are all about, and that's what I want for you. I told them they had to sit up front today so I could preach at them. (laughs) Got them right here where I want them. Here's the take-home. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 again, but here's the take-home. The Spirit-empowered ministry of deacons is a major factor in the health and gospel growth of the body of Christ. This message, as I tease them about preaching to them, this message is for all of us. This message is the charge to you, the church, about the ministry of deacons and especially these three men. And it's also the charge to these three men in their ministry to you, the body of Christ in this place. But that's what I want you to take home today. The Spirit-empowered ministry of deacons is a major factor when understood correctly and applied appropriately in the health and gospel growth of the body of Christ. Acts chapter 6, we've read it, but I want to read it again. I want you to get the picture and and see it. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, it says, In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing. Now, we were four chapters after Pentecost right here, okay? What's happened in the meantime? Uh, Well, the church, of course, at Pentecost grew huge in one day. It went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. The church is continuing to evangelize. Persecution has already begun. But the church is continuing to grow as the gospel is preached, particularly around Jerusalem and in the areas just outside the city. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. That means, the first set means they, they spoke Greek and the other Hebraic means they spoke Hebrew because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together, that means the church, and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. It was this need that created the, the ministry of deacons. Verse 3, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility, that is the waiting, uh, waiting on tables, we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group, the entire church gathered. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them like we will do in a few minutes. So the word of God spread. Notice that. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the spirit-empowered ministry of deacons is a major factor in the health and gospel growth of the body of Christ. Serving as deacon, as a deacon, is not, as Johnny Hunt puts it, just a position to hold. It is a mission to fulfill and a work 
to be done. I want to show you this morning from this passage five reasons laid out here in the book of Acts as to why the church needs deacons. Five reasons that the church needs the grace-enabled, grace-giving, gospel-focused ministry of deacons. First of all, according to chapter 6, verse 1, the very first phrase, we need the ministry of deacons to handle church growth. You see it there in verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the church was exploding. And as the church grew, growth changed things, didn't it? Growth changes things, and it demands that we change our ministry to ensure that all of the family is cared for. The early church was, in these days, experiencing the fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That happened in Acts 2 at Pentecost. And you will then be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. By the beginning of chapter 6, the early church had spread the gospel all over Jerusalem and the neighboring communities, and they were set to go into Samaria. As you look two chapters later in chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria and takes that next step in the prophecy given by Jesus of Acts 8. And then the gospel goes all the way, all the way through to the ends of the earth uh, as the book of Acts unfolds. And so when the apostles became overwhelmed by the needs of the body of Christ, at this point, get the picture, there's 12 apostles and at least 3,120 members, right? Uh, They got their hands full. They needed some help. And when the apostles became overwhelmed by the needs of the body of Christ, they called on the church at large to add the ministry of deacon. Though they're not called deacons in this passage, it's very clear as we look at the rest of the New Testament and put all the New Testament teaching together, this was the installation, the ordination of the first deacons. And so what, you, what I want you to see under this first point is simply this. God uses the ministry of deacons to allow a local church to grow in a healthy way so that the entire church is built up as it continues to reach out and draw others in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need the ministry of deacon in order that we might uh, be able to handle growth in the body of Christ. Secondly, this morning, from the same verse, verse 1, we need the ministry of deacons to protect church harmony. As the numbers were increasing, it says the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So get, get the picture. Every day they were giving food to the widows. The New Testament defines this for us and tells us over in Paul's letters letters to Timothy. He defines specifically what constituted a widow. And it was someone who had no family. And, And Paul even goes so far as to say, if you have family, then family takes care of you. But if you're a true widow, then the church takes care of you. Isn't it amazing if churches did their job, how how many, how how much welfare would be done by the body of Christ, amen, and taken care of through God-ordained means in the body of Christ. And so there's this daily distribution going on. There were Greek-speaking Jews. These would have been those who had come from all over the known world for Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2. 
And in that day, outside of Jerusalem, even the Jews had to speak Greek because it was the predominant language. So there were Greek-speaking Jews and there were Hebrew-speaking Jews, local Jerusalem residents. And they were all coming to faith in Jesus through the church in Jerusalem and they were all part of the church. But in the daily distribution, it seems the issue at hand was some favoritism toward the locals, toward the local widows and the neglect of some of the widows from other places that had joined the church. You know, complaining can destroy the unity of the Spirit, can't it? In a church, and it can split a church wide open, and and there was a complaint here. It was legitimate. There really was an issue. There really was the overlooking of the Greek-speaking Jews. They were being passed over. They were being neglected. It was a legitimate complaint, so it was okay that it was registered. The, the, The good thing is, thankfully, the apostles had the wisdom to immediately admit the problem and address it with a solution, the creation under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of the ministry of deacons to make sure that that didn't happen anymore, that neglect didn't happen anymore. More, You know, Jesus prayed for the unity of his church while still here on earth. In John 17, verses 20 and 21, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. He was speaking at that point of the twelve. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess who that includes? That includes me. If you know Jesus, that includes you. Through the message of the apostles, you came to know Jesus. Through the word of God is given through the apostles, you came to know Jesus. Jesus prays for you. And here's what he says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prayed for the unity of his church and he did it for the purpose that the world would see the church and believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus was the Son of God sent to be the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Deacons, deacons, you have a huge part to play in protecting church harmony. In all that you do as deacons, you will be, as as Paul would say it in Ephesians 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We need the ministry of deacons to protect church harmony. Thirdly, from verses 2 and 3, we see that we need the ministry of of deacon to provide for the needy, verses 2 and 3. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together. They immediately responded to this this, this, this situation of neglect where some were being favored over others. They immediately responded. They gathered the church together, said it would not be right for us as apostles to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. You know, God loves people more than anything. And the apostles realized how important ministry to widows, no matter their background or their hometown, truly was in the life of the church. And so they made sure their needs would be met through the creation of the deacon ministry. They couldn't do it all, but they made sure that it got taken care of through this new ministry at the time of deacons. 
In James 1, verse 27, James reveals just a little more of, uh, concerning this of the, of the heart of God. And by the way, we could go to the Old Testament, we could see it in the Psalms, we could read it in the Proverbs and all over the place. But here, James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this passage applies to all of us, amen? This passage is not just for deacons. When you go to the context of James chapter 1, it it applies to me. It applies to you. However, the apostles and, and wise local church pastors realize that they cannot effectively and consistently serve all the needs of all church members alone, even concerning the widows. What a joy it is for me to serve with now 13 deacons who are willing through our new deacon family ministry to take responsibility, personal responsibility, for specific of your families and regularly reach out to you to make sure that all is well physically and spiritually so that we as a church are not unaware of what's going on in your life and, 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 and so that we are not unable to love you as we desire to love you and serve you and reach out to you. You'll be hearing from your deacon, one of 13 men, within the next few weeks. And then, every few weeks, you'll hear from them. They'll check in. How are things going? How can we pray for you? Is there anything we as a church can do to serve your family? Well, before we touch on the last two points, this is a good place to deal with an important facet of deacon ministry. What kind of men must deacons be? We've been talking a lot about this behind the scenes Don gave testimony of that earlier as, as he introduced the candidates. Well, James told us, as just in the verse we read, he just told us that not only must deacons or all of us look after orphans and widows, but we must keep oneself be, from being polluted by the world. So certainly, all of us, but deacons in particular today, must keep themselves from being polluted by the world. The apostles told us in verse 3 of Acts chapter 6, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are, hear it, known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. So active dependence on the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that he gives through the Word of God, these things should be obvious in the lives of men we ordain as deacon. Does that mean that 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 deacons are, 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 are somehow on another level. They're super spiritual. Uh, is that what that means? This is no. Make sure you got that one. No. We said this at the beginning of our ordination council yesterday. To quote Eugene Peterson, there are no experts in the company of Jesus. We are all beginners. I'm a beginner in the company of Jesus. And we walk lockstep with him. The Spirit of God indwells us. He is with us. We are all Beginners. So that's not what this is talking about. Are these, are these three guys suddenly perfect? I mean, they, they, did they reach the place where they don't sin anymore? No, just ask Jan, Krista, and Amy. They'll tell you all of their many sins. No, they won't because they're good wives, but they'll just affirm that they're not sinless. And so that's not the kind of thing we're talking about, but what we are talking about is an obvious, observable work of the Spirit of God in the lives of these men and, and, and all who would be called to, to serve as deacon, as well as the wisdom, the text says, that comes through the Spirit and by the Word of God. Also, Paul gives more specific details on what, his, what this, this will look like in a man's life over in 1 Timothy 3. He also does it in Titus 1. We're not going to go there today, but 
1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 10, and also verse 12. We're just going to read through this. We're not going to unpack this. We have, at length, as deacons, we have examined these men on the basis of this text. Uh, And so, here's what it says. In the same way, and, and what he's just talked about, in the same way being just as I've just told you about elders, in the New Testament, there's two primary offices in the church. Elders or pastors, and, and in, in, in the New Testament we see a plurality of elders. Local churches had more than one elder. They could have had one main pastor, but they had more than one elder. And then they had multiple deacons. And so in the same way, as I've just told you about elders, deacons, the word literally means servants, are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith. Anybody want to wager a guess, Kyle Ray? Do you want to wager a guess what the deep truths of the faith is all about? The gospel of Jesus Christ that we've been unpacking from the book of Galatians for the last 13 weeks. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing deeper in our faith than the gospel. You never graduate from the gospel. You don't go any deeper than the gospel. Hopefully you go deeper in the gospel, but you go no deeper than the gospel. It is the message of justification by faith alone, through, by grace alone, through faith alone, in the work of Christ alone. That is the message that saves the world. That is the power of God into salvation. And here's what I can tell you about these three men and our deacons at large. They understand that message and they guard those deep truths of the faith with all their heart, with a clear conscience. It says they must first be tested. Don spoke to that. We've done that for a six-month period. And then if there's nothing against them, and there's not today, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Many people take that verse to to, to apply to deacons' wives. Others take it in a a little different way, regardless... uh, whether it's women's servants in the body of Christ, whether it's the wives of deacons, certainly it's true. And finally, verse 12, a deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. How can you serve as, as, an, as a sort of out-front servant leader in the body of Christ if you don't do the same in your home? And we testify to you today, these men do. We've observed it, we've watched it. I'm here to testify to you today, even as Don has done on behalf of our leadership team, that Andy Bradshaw, David MacArthur, and Freddie Ray and their wives are are men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and they meet and are continuing to grow in, as we all are, these qualifications. We need these sorts of men. Well, back to our reasons. We've been through three reasons. Y'all staying with me? We took an aside and said, what kind of men do deacons need to be? Now, two, two two last reasons. Fourthly, The reason we need the ministry of deacons is to prioritize ministry in the church. We see it in verse 2 and also the second part of verse 3 and verse 4. It says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us as the twelve, as the apostles, to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Verse 3, the second part of that verse, we will turn this responsibility over to them, and the seven that they chose, and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the of the word. There are a couple of foundational principles that we see here. First, we can never do alone what we can do together. Amen. We need each other. 
Each member of the body of Christ has an active ministry they are gifted and called to joyfully accomplish in the life of the church. 1 Corinthians uh, 12 makes that plain. Romans chapter 14. And if a church member, any church member, is not actively serving in some way, that person's like a toe with gangrene. That's pretty, ain't it? You like that picture? It's disease, it's rendered unhealthy, it's rendered, rendered ineffective, and it's harming the body because it's not doing the job. It's not able to do the job to which God has called it and that the body needs. I hope it's not you today. Don't be that toe with gangrene. Second, second principle we see at work here. The apostles made clear that their calling and focus, and now by extension today, local church pastors must remain the ministry of the word and prayer. Now don't misunderstand, it wasn't that the apostles, or today pastors like myself, it was not that they were too good to serve tables, amen? Or that such ministry was beneath them. You'll probably find me washing dishes after we get done eating today. There's nothing that any of us in leadership are too good to do. Amen? And we ought to wash the feet of one another. As Jesus said, I mean, you can't get around servant leadership when when it comes to the body of Christ. That wasn't the point here. Caring for the needy is a vital ministry. And again, one of the two key fruits of true religion, as James says, that all of us should be But had the apostles not created the ministry of deacons, think about what the book of Acts might have looked like. Had they not created the ministry of deacons, the advance of the Great Commission would have been dramatically slowed down, if not come to a screeching halt, because there are only so many hours in a day, and there were only so many of them, and a whole lot of widows to be cared for and served. You see, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, the apostles cared for the widows by delegating the daily ministry to them, to the deacons, so that they could focus on their specific calling while enabling others to play a vital role in the ministry of the church. You see, the people of God need to regularly hear the Word of God taught in the power of the Spirit of God by their pastor. You need that. Amen? And I'm blessed to be surrounded here by deacons who even when I met with them, some of you will remember this, with the pastor search committee, they communicated a desire to me to be free to give myself first and foremost to the ministry of the word and prayer. And I want you to know that your deacons serve the body here in such a way that I am able in an increasing way to do just that. And now there's going to be three more in the mix, to make sure that the ministry is taken care of, that you are cared for, but that I can give myself to the study of the Word of God and prayer for you and the ministry of the Word to you week after week. So we need the ministry of deacons in order to prioritize ministry. See, it's all important. It's, we, we should never have to make a decision, this or that, when it comes to things God's called us to do in the body of Christ. It's just how we're going to get it done. What's the most effective means to spread the work and the load of ministry out to get it done? And by the way, in Ephesians 4, it talks about, verses 11, 12, that God so gifts people in the body, some of us as pastors, to equip the body, that's you, to do the work of the ministry. 
You see, it was never meant to be done by one person, even a few people. It was meant to be spread out, and, and, and it was meant that every member would be actively contributing and, and involved, and, and there would just be this energy and this life across the congregation as we love one another and figure out what that looks like practically in different scenarios. Fifthly and finally, we need the ministry of deacons to ensure gospel penetration. You could miss this if you weren't careful. You could stop at verse 6. The discussion about deacons is basically over there, but not really. In verse 7 it says, So the word of God spread. The key word is so. So the word of God spread. That's a connecting word. That word so goes back to the previous six verses. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What's, what's Luke saying here? Because of the ministry of deacons that was just born in the church, because God worked and brought about the, the ordination of seven men to serve this need in the body of Christ, it enabled ministry a ministry prioritized for the gospel preaching and teaching. The text says three things happened. The word of God spread, the number of disciples multiplied, and a great, even a great number of priests. Imagine it. Priests steeped in the law. Remember Galatians, all the stuff we're talking about? I mean, they were deep in work salvation. Even a great number of priests got saved and came to faith in Jesus. You see, a church that functions according to God's wise design that includes a lively deacon family ministry will grow and flourish and impact its community and the world for Christ. This is why I said at the beginning, the spirit-empowered ministry of deacons is a major factor in the health and gospel growth of the body of Christ. Luke says, because the apostles set seven aside to tend to the, to the widows and take care of that ministry, the word of God spread. And the number of disciples grew rapidly. Priests came to know Jesus. Why? Because the apostles could focus on the main thing of their calling, and that is to get the gospel out in their community. Isn't it a beautiful design? What an awesome and beautiful thing is the body of Christ. And what a wonderful ministry is the grace-enabled, grace-giving, gospel-focused ministry of deacons. The Spirit-empowered ministry of deacons is a major factor in the health and gospel growth of the body of Christ. And so, church, listen, you ought to be excited today that we're adding three servant leaders that we're setting them apart, that, that these three men are committing their lives to serve you in the ways we've talked about today as we've seen in, in, in God's Word. And, and, and guys, y'all ought to be excited at what the future holds for you as servant leaders, at what God... Hear me, Freddie, uh, not Freddie, Ken. They're big buddies and I get them mixed up sometimes. Ken said in our, our, our council yesterday as we were interrogating and examining these men's men, it wasn't really that bad, was it, guys? We had them nervous. We had their wives nervous. We, we teased them. We said, ladies, you get here at four. Your interrogation's at four. The men's at five. Anyway, we gave them a hard time. But um, Ken, you said in the, in the time yesterday, you said 
God is going to do through you more than you could ever ask or imagine or something like that. And it's true. What's about to happen in your life, you're going to be used in new ways. God's going to stretch your capacity for ministry. God's going to stretch your ability to trust Him, your, 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 your opportunities. He's going to give you more opportunities to trust Him for power to, as we've been talking about, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, to walk in the Spirit to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit, to let His power flow in and through you, to, to, for, for His grace, the indwelling Spirit of Jesus, to enable you to love in a way that you never have, sacrifice in a way that you never have. won't always be easy, but oh, it's beautiful, isn't it, men? It sure is. And so, hey, it's, it's a great day. It's an awesome day to be a member of the body of Christ here at East LJ Baptist Church. Let's pray together.